address is entitled Purity, Patience and Perseverance, a Divine Directive. And it's going to be delivered by Dr. Baker Draman Sadanand, Associate Professor of Neurosurgery, Loma Linda University, USA, Chair of IT Committee and Member of IP Committee and International Medical Committee, SSIO. Dr. Baker Draman Sadanand, please. My most humble pronouns at the Divine Lord's feet of my very beloved and dearest uh, Swami, Bhagavad Sai Baba. I am truly grateful to be here in this beautiful country among family. I see all these people in the front row and I'm going to be seeing them in a few weeks. And I see them every year, a couple of times. So I'm grateful to Brother Ishwaran, Sister Vasanta, with your beautiful story that really, on the spot, changed what I'm going to say now. It is truly divine guidance, and I'll come to what you said. But it was very touching. Thank you very kindly for that. Brother Billy Fong, I'm very grateful to you for giving me the opportunity to come here and uh, participate in this satsang. Dr. Ravindran, you are I shouldn't say like a father, that it means he's very old, but he's uh, <laughs> a brother. <laughs> but thank you very kindly. And Dr. Vijay, thank you as well. Thessine, Dr. Thessine, thank you. And it was a pleasure seeing you, Dr. Father, a pleasure seeing you again. And learning a few things from you yesterday. And uh, Suresh, it's beautiful to see you as well. And Professor Sabha, it's wonderful. It's just such a beautiful family. And as I said, we're going to see each other again in a few weeks. So, I was initially going to be talking about um, a physician's perspective on healthcare. And Dr. Ravindran said that perfectly. Swami has condensed uh, in his discourses, there are 20 discourses that have been put together in a beautiful book that you can access on satisai.org. And this book on Sadisai Ideal Healthcare defines the principles upon which Swami prescribes healthcare. So that's the divine prescription. And these are very simple six principles. This is what I was going to talk about, but I'll just briefly mention these six principles. The first is free healthcare. Healthcare is a right for each one of us and it should be free. Second is state-of-the-art healthcare. Just because it is free doesn't mean I can cut corners and give you suboptimal healthcare. State-of-the-art healthcare. The third is compassionate healthcare. Healthcare that is delivered lovingly and with compassion. And I'll go on to why that is important. The third is com the fourth is comprehensive healthcare, and that means healthcare of the body, mind, and spirit, because these are intimately connected. The fifth is preventive healthcare. You have to prevent diseases, not just treat them. And that is very, very important in an ideal healthcare setting. And the last one is timely healthcare. So physicians follow these principles, and that sets the stage for ideal healthcare. I'm not going to expand on this any further. I will very humbly refer you to a blog that I have, which is idealhealthcare.net. And you can go there and 
of these. But the duty of the physician to provide ideal health care will not deliver the health care that you seek. Because you as a patient also have a responsibility. And that is important. That's what Sister Vasanda talked about today. About faith and surrender. That's essential. Essential faith not just in the doctor. But faith in the divine principle residing inside you. This is so important. It is so important that unless both parties to this transaction, healthcare provider and healthcare receiver, unless both parties to this transaction practice that, healthcare will fail. And believe me, if you look at the data, the United States has the highest per capita expenditure as a percentage of GDP on healthcare. But its indices of health and welfare ranks in the 30s. So obviously there's no correlation between spending and welfare. So there's something that is being done which is not right. We are not helping ourselves, we are not getting anywhere in this game. We may have the best technologies, and I can have a hospital that says, I do such and such fancy treatments with fancy equipment and robots. Neurosurgery has robots. But that doesn't mean that healthcare is being delivered. Technology is being delivered. You need all six principles. And in order to be able to do that, the physician has to be aware of the divine within the physician. Because that person, the physician, is only an instrument. And I know we keep saying this, and in this one day, it is my fervent hope that we make one step towards an important transformation in us. To go from words to practice. Both patients and physicians have to make these changes. Now, faith. So let me come to that first. I remember two very clear instructions from Swami. Okay? And that sets the stage for both these parties. So you've got the healthcare provider and healthcare receiver. The, um, the first story is about when Swami was meeting with my family once. And he asked my son how old he was. And my son said he was seven. And Swami asked, how do you know? Very simple question. And obviously my son didn't have an answer, my wife didn't have an answer, my daughter didn't have an answer, and I'm doing my usual thing, which many of the young adults who are students will know, no eye contact with the teacher, then he won't ask you a question. So I'm looking down and <laughs> Swami is, then he comes to me, taps me on the shoulder and asks, how do you know? I said, I don't know, Swami. And he said, because his mother told him so. First comes faith. And that is true. If you think about it, there's a piece of paper that says when he was born. His mom tells him when he was born and therefore he says he's seven years old. Somebody tells him who his father and mother are and today 23 and me tells you who your parents are. But whoever tells you, the question is, there is faith. And Swami said very clearly, faith comes first. Then on another occasion, he asked me about what is the difference between science and spirituality? And 
again, I, I said, I don't. That's, that's the best answer to this one. And he said, science is for the senses. And in science, we start with experience. You experience something. You know, Newton experienced an apple falling on his head, so they say. Something fell. So you experience something. Then you build knowledge to explain that experience. So the theory of gravity came out. Right? So knowledge comes after that. Then the knowledge undergoes evolution. You know, oh no, no, this is not really right. Oh, no, maybe this is right. Yeah, this is it. And people keep changing their minds and eventually they say, this is right. And Newton reigned. His theory of gravity was the theory of gravity for a long time. It was not a conjecture of gravity, it's a theory of gravity. And that lasted a long time until Einstein came along and said, no, that's not true. It's a curvature of space-time. Completely different now. So, and we're seeing evidence of that. And who knows where that is, that is going to lead. So science starts with experience, knowledge, knowledge which is refined and evolves. And in that evolution and refinement, suddenly we have some faith in that knowledge. So we send rockets to the moon, and you know, the world war was fought, and planes were flying, defying gravity, based on the theory of gravity upon which we had faith, which was soon demolished by Einstein. So, science starts with experience and knowledge and faith. And Swami said, science takes this course. Spirituality starts with faith. You have to have faith. And what is that faith in? It is faith in your reality. Faith in the divinity within you. Think about that. That's just the first step. Faith. The second, we'll come back to that. The second, from that faith we start building knowledge. And we say, let me see what this means. That I am divine. Or the divine is in me. What does it mean? You try to figure that out. You read the scriptures, you read people's stories, you hear about people's experiences, and you try to make sense out of this simple statement that the divine lives in you. That's the only purpose. And I humbly beg you not to be here to look to listen to these stories I'm giving you and go back home as an entertainment that you had. No. Think about your own lives. Think about how what I'm saying resonates in your own life to make sure you develop the faith that you are God and no one around you can tell you anything more than that. If that is not there, it's the surest indication that your faith is weak. Swami once told Dr. Narendranath Reddy, who's an endocrinologist and chairman of the Prashanti Council of the SSIO, once told him, he asked, you know, Swami, what can I do for you? Dr. Reddy asked uh, Swami, Swami said, be happy. You see that simple two words, it has enormous meaning. That your agitations, your stresses, your problems, all arise from a very simple thing. You lack faith. And when you lack faith, I can take advantage of you. And this is not just me and you. This is in every profession you go. When you lack, I mean, can you imagine you going to uh, Las Vegas, you going to some place, 
and you're, or you're going to buy a car, and you tell the guy from whom you're buying the car, hey, you know, I have full faith in you, just sell me a car, what do you want? And you give that money, take the car and go? Well, if you do that, your name will be all over the press and there'll be 100,000 people who are sell their cars, sell their cars to you because you are a sucker. <laughs> Question, are you a spiritual sucker? Are you a spiritual loser? Can you afford not to believe in the divine within you? Can you go elsewhere to seek divinity? Obviously the answer is no to all of these. So don't think about it, the answer is no. Faith is the basis, the foundation of the rest of your life. It begins here today, keep that very clear in your mind. Yesterday I had the fortune, the good fortune and the blessing to meet a wonderful person here. And, and this person was asking a question that Sister Vasanta asked in the beginning. Why me? There are things that are happening all around you. They're collapsing. Your life may be collapsing. The question that arises in your mind is why me? And this beautiful soul, this, this lady, came out of that face just as Sister Vasanta did. And how did they come out? With the two simple words that Sister Vasanta said, faith and surrender. That faith in yourself is an essential part in the very first step of spirituality. So we start with faith and move thereafter to knowledge. Then once we gain the knowledge, we seek to experience. That's when you seek to experience. I want to know now and experience this divine in me. Okay, science was experience, knowledge, faith. Spirituality, faith, knowledge, experience, and then, so faith in the divine, knowledge of the divine, experience the divine, and there's one more step, being divine. And I hope before we leave this body, we all reach the fourth stage. So spirituality is a completely different route, turns the world upside down, and that's what Swami did to me with a simple demonstration and talk about what is spirituality, how it differs from science. I went into that room as a scientist, I came out with a disparaging view of science. But an awakening of what spirituality is. So that is what drives, that is your engine. If you fail to fuel this engine, then you are going to not travel anywhere. You'll be just sitting there. And we often pray, we pray for so many things, you know, we pray for give me this, give me that, Swami, give me this, give me health, give me, you know, my job for my kids, or marriage for my kids, you know, you, you pray, you keep praying for so many, what should I invest in, some people pray. Take a deep breath and look at yourself. You are not a beggar. You are divine. Go to someone and beg to save you. So that view, if you do that, it means you don't believe, you don't have that faith. And when you don't have the faith, no matter what you do outside, it is not going to help you. And I don't mean any ill towards you. I hope all your lives as a 
stress-free and happy. But the path to that happiness is not by ignoring that within you and instead seeking something outside. So believe in that, that you are God. And you know what the challenge is for you before you die? You're all going to die. And I don't want to mince words here. We, in our own profession, we see people dying all the time. Not because I'm a bad surgeon, but because that is the reality of life. In, in my profession, we say sometimes, you know, the best outcomes in your surgery are, are uh, either complete recovery or death. Because you don't want to be in between. That's, that's not the life you want. But that death is going to happen to us, and we don't know when. Steve Jobs said it beautifully in Stanford at commencement. Think, can you lower the gain on this, please? This uh, feedback. Steve Jobs said it beautifully in uh, the commencement address in Stanford that he lives every day as if it were his last day. So, how will you live your life today? I would urge you to do even a step more than that. Don't live this day as if it's your last day. Live this moment as if it's your last moment. Perhaps you won't walk out. Right? So there's so much for you left to do. Focus on that. To become that divine as you go. Right? So start with faith. So where does purity, patience and perseverance fit in all this? The patient and the doctor is here on the right hand side, the patient is here. So there is an encounter. Good health and your welfare depends upon this interaction. Each party, if it eschews spirituality, the interaction will be not. It's not going to prevent it. It's not going to result in anything fruitful. You may get a treatment, you know, take an aspirin and call me tomorrow kind of doctor or versions of variations of that and I can give you some treatment, you come back tomorrow. The rate of readmissions of uh, patients in hospitals is rising in every country, in the OECD countries, every country, the rate of readmissions in hospitals is increasing. Why? Hospitals are investing like crazy on equipment, on doctors, on training. So, there is some measure that is that we have and it's not being fulfilled, we're not reaching that. And part of the reason is this interaction between the patient and the doctor is not being realized and its capacity to heal is being forgotten. In the pursuit of its capacity to treat, we forget its capacity to heal. You can treat all you want, but if you don't heal, the patient will come back to you. Of course, there are profits in that, I, and I'm not a socialist. But the pursuit of healing is more important than the pursuit of anything else. And that begins with purity, patience, and perseverance. Why? Because purity, and this is from Swami, I, by the way, what I am saying, just like what Dr. Ravindra said, these are Swami's words. What I am saying comes from those 20 discourses. Please, I urge you to read that beautiful compendium of those 20 discourses called Satisaya Real Healthcare, 
again, it's inside inside our org. But if you look at it, purity, just the first step, is a challenge. It is a challenge because without faith we can't have purity. Why? Because purity involves ten characteristics. This is from Swami's discourse in 1985, December. Ten characteristics. Okay? And I'm going to tell you these ten characteristics. In your own mind, think about whether you are pure. Because if you're not pure, don't go to a doctor and say, treat me. You're going about it all wrong. Look after yourself and your health. Become pure. Step number one. So what are these ten characteristics of purity? You'll be surprised. It's a challenge. It's very difficult to be pure. Okay, so the first is related to where you live. The type of house you have. You know, the things that hang in your walls. Um, is there an altar in the home? You know, do you pray? How is that home? How is that house? You know, you don't want my mother tongue is a word called chatram, which is, you know, you don't want to have a, uh, a, a house. You want to have a home, not a house. So that's, that's number one of purity, okay? where you live. Number two is who you live with. Your family or your friends, whoever you're living with, that's important. If you're living with company that detracts you from understanding this divinity, your goal is only one thing. Understanding and experiencing and being divine. Understanding the divinity in you, experiencing the divinity in you, being divine. Right? That's your goal. So, now you're going with this goal in mind, you're walking along the road of life, and you want to see, am I interacting in a way by which these goals are fulfilled? So you see, you know, if you're with people, that detract you from this reality, then that's not satsang. Be it your family, be it your brother, be it your sister, be it your friend. Anybody. The relationship is not important. But whether they aid in this goal is important. So that makes it pure. Right? Who you are. So number one was where you live. Second is who you live in. Three, what you eat. So purity involves the food that you intake. That's very important. Food is not just what you eat. That's why he talks about this in his discourse. It is what you intake. It's the difference between what you eat and what you intake. What you intake is in all of your senses, five senses, everything you intake. The music you listen, what you see, right? What you taste is the food part. What you feel, everything has to be suffering. Everything has to be good. So your intake, that's important. The second part of it is not just what you eat and you intake, but what you drink is also important. So for you to be pure, that is important. It's not just, you know, we say, oh, don't drink alcohol, why? You ask yourself, I am a scientist, and I do question why. There's a reason. You are blasting a million of your neurons when you get drunk. You want that? Just because you don't notice it doesn't mean you want to do that. Okay? So, what you eat, what you drink, right? where you live, who you live with. Then, purity involves what you think and feel. So, what am I thinking? I'm thinking, I hate this guy. 
I don't like this. This is terrible. Or I'm feeling sad. Very strong introductory behavior. I'm feeling sad. That's not pure. Right? That's a sure sign of spiritual. People come and say, oh, I'm very spiritual, right? I'm a spiritual person. But you look at them, they're stressed out. You know, they can't handle their one job and one family. And they're running around saying, I am busy. Shanti, stressed out. They're not happy, they're not spiritual. Simple. It's a nice barometer that tells you whether you're spiritual or not. Okay, so how you feel and what you think is important to be pure. What you read is important. And these days it's not just books, of course, PDFs, but ebooks. But it's also what you, that little 17 inch thing that you look at, or this six and a half inch thing that you look at. But what you read, the literature that you read, that you imbibe, sets the stage for you. I've come to why all this is important. Okay, so what you read makes you pure or impure. And then how you do service. Now this is where the doctor-patient relationship comes. To be pure, you have to do sattvic service. What is sattvic service? And Swami defines that for us. You know, what, each one of us is so truly, truly, truly blessed to be, to have the association with Sattisai Baba. Why? You know, Viveka Chodamani is, is, a, is, is a literature that talks about three things that can only be obtained by the grace of God. Only by the grace of God. Okay, the first is human birth. That you're born as a human is by the grace of God alone. The second is to have the yearning for understanding the divine. That yearning inside you, that's why you're all here. That yearning, that's the grace of God. There's some people who are born humans but do not have that yearning to understand the divine. Okay, so that's the second one. And the third is to have a guru. Somebody who guides you in your goal to understand the divine inside And we have Paramatma, Paramaguru. We have Satisai Baba. Right? Once his body is gone, doesn't mean it's finished. You are there. You are the. Thing. You know, we often talk about why Swami came to Earth. We say he came here as an avatar from time to time. Then there is uh, problems. Uh, I'm completely paraphrasing the Bhagavad Gita, but you know, from time to time when he had problems, he comes down as an avatar. Right? But we never talk about why he left his body, do we? Do we say from time to time I leave my body and blah 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 happens? No, we don't even think about that. But there is a reason he left the body. To me, it is to enable you to focus on the divine inside you. Leave the outside, go inward inside you. The solitude is never solitude if you're in communion with the divine. Can you do that while you're working? Can you do that while you're driving? You all know about Brother Lawrence. He's a uh, Carmelite monk. And he, you know, one of the, he writes these letters, and one of the letters, he's, he works as a cook in the kitchen. And in one of these letters he says, 
amidst all the clutter, I'm not fully paraphrasing him correctly, but this is the essence of his sentence in that letter, amidst all the clutter and noise in the kitchen, people are talking, saying, do this, do this, table number five wants this, amidst all that noise, I feel as much at peace as if I were kneeling in front of the holy sacrament. His mind is busy doing all these things, but at all times he's connected to his soul. That is the essence of meditation. And Swami says that very clearly, you sit down in the lotus position, close your eyes, that is not meditation. In Swami's exact words from 1989, July, that is a disease. That is not meditation. <laughs> it is your constant awareness of who you really are. Because when you lose that awareness, I can take advantage of you. That's all I have to do. I stand in front of you. If you are a divine person who is firmly entrenched in the belief that you are God, I can never shake you. No one can shake you. But when you falter, when you shake, I empower you. Okay? So be very careful about that. So, what kind of service is Sattvic service? This is number eight in the The kind of Sattvic service is service that has a direct impact on the person you're serving. And that person may not be able to return anything that's what free healthcare we talk about. There are two forms of Narayana. There is Lakshmi Narayana and there is Dalitri Narayana. Lakshmi Narayana certainly is no problem. You know, he's full of wealth. She's full of wealth. She, <laughs> Full of wealth. So, everybody wants to go serve Lakshmi Narayana. Dalitri Narayana is poor. That's what Mother Teresa was doing. That's the difficult part. Right? How you touch the heart of others. How you sacrifice yourself. There are times I, I haven't eaten, not because, you know, I, I, I'm busy doing something else, playing tennis, but it's because I want to be with the patient and hold their hands at a time when their family member is suffering. To be able to serve Dharidhinara without expecting any return, you can't get a return from Dharidhinara, that is Sattvic service. That's important. So you walk around, go to something, hospital visit, and sign in Seva, and you come back saying, I didn't service, you've forgotten who you are. If you are divine, your way of serving will be different. Your goals of serving will be different. Sattvic service is essential. That is one of the criteria for those six things I mentioned about Sattvic Sai and your health care. The ninth one is sadhana. We all need to do that, of one sort or another. And the tenth one, which is critical, is our occupation should be pure. That means that you serve the direct person you come in contact with, you serve the community you're in, and you serve your profession. So, you know, I go nine to five, if I do that and work in a place and just, you know, operate on people, 15 minutes. You hit the one, so it looked like five minutes to me. 15 minutes. Um, so, see, that distracted me. Two minutes extra. So, when you, when you look at 
how you impact upon the patient, the self-service patient's life, how you impact upon your occupation, so things that you do for your profession, that's important too, that's part of being pure. So you can see purity has a lot of criteria, not just for the doctor, also for the patient. In the way the patient, you as a patient, how do you interact with the doctor? How do you interact with your healthcare system? And how do you take care of your own health? You, know, you live a life in wanton splurging, and you expect to be well, and you go and pray to Ganesha to become well, it's not going to work. There used to be, you know, my, when I was a little tiny kid, my mother used to read me these cartoons out of a magazine called Anand Vigeta. One of those, you know, there's this guy, it's cricket season, and he you know, plays cricket, it's football season, soccer, he plays soccer, it's, you know, it's just kite, he's flying kite. And then when he's exam, he sits and prays to Ganesha. <laughs> you know, it's not going to work. And Ganesha, is, Ganesha, in fact, will tell you, hey, I'm going to go fly some kite. <laughs> so, the essence of it is constant awareness, right? For the patient, too. So, the patient has to be taking some responsibility for their health. I know many of you are not in, not in the healthcare field, but you are, you're all going to be patients. I said you're all going to die. It's one thing common among all of us. You know, we, we say, hey, do you know so-and-so? Do you know so-and-so? And we try to strike commonality. I mean, can you imagine if you meet, I meet you and say, I'm going to get with your so-and-so. And then I say, hey, you know what? We're both going to die. <laughs> lose all your friends. But you're all going to fall sick. And when you fall sick, you're waking up to a reality that you could have avoided in most cases. Some cases you couldn't have. But some cases you could have avoided. And if it was the case that you could have avoided, what a waste of your life. But you didn't avoid it. So purity in the patient is as important as purity in the doctor. And then only this consummation, this relationship between the doctor, the provider, and the patient, the client, results in welfare of the patient. That's very important. And also welfare of the doctor. The doctor who doesn't practice at his ideal healthcare. Swami says it's going to result in stress in that person. It's going to result in his in or her interaction with her family is going down the drain. It's going to impair that person's health. The doctor said, right side is doctor, doctor's health. So if the doctor doesn't practice purity, the doctor's health goes down the drain. Patient doesn't practice purity. Patient's health goes down the drain. And then these two guys meet and they think just by transferring dollars from one to the other, health can be purchased. Sorry, buddy. It doesn't happen that way. That's not the game. You're in the wrong game at the wrong time. Okay, so purity has that important role in how you guide your life as it moves forward. Once you have purity, then comes patience. Now, why is patience important in your life? Because that's for your good health. You know, you're constantly thinking, when is the elevator coming? I press the button, it's not coming. Does that happen in my hotel today? <laughs> somebody else there, and you press the button, and you're walking, pacing up and down, and then, when is it coming? Even in Prashanti, I remember very clearly, there was a guy sitting next to me in Darshan once. And then he looks at his watch, and does this to me, my eyes did this to me, opened my eyes and said, Hey, when is he coming? <laughs> so I, I said, Yeah, so close my eyes. And after some time, I think, Hey, 
impatience, right? Remember one thing Swami has said is, if you pray with a sincere heart and pray to the right person, if I tell you, you want to go to a certain medical school or a certain college, you send an application form, right? You address it. You have to address it to the right college and the application form has to be filled out right. Prayer is the same thing. You have a prayer, that's the content of the envelope. Have a prayer. Good. But hey, address it to the right person. You go to various statues and Ganeshas and put it over there, you're wasting it, throw it in the ocean. Right? The God is inside you. Don't forget that. So how do you address a prayer to the God inside you? The first step is patience. And what Swami says is, there are no unanswered prayers. Powerful statement by Sati Sai Baba. There are no unanswered prayers. There are only prayers that you abandon from lack of patience. So if you've asked for something, and it's not a joke, we often saw it as, oh, sounds an interview, interview, yeah, 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 you get it. Then you wait and say, hey, my ticket, now I've got to go back, and no interview. It's your impatience. Right? The key thing is patience. So once you have developed purity, then develop patience. The last one is perseverance. I've got One minute. <laughs> I don't tell you, so. <laughs> the last thing is perseverance. Perseverance in what? Think about it. Perseverance in this goal of experiencing the divine in you. Don't give up on that. Don't, 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 don't ever give up on that. In perseverance in the face of whatever you see. Don't ever take the shortcut and say, that's it, I've had it with this whole divine thing inside me, I'll go outside. No, never, never. As I said, there are no unanswered prayers. Swami has said, the only prayers that seem unanswered are those that you have given up on. God never gives up on you. So, if you want good health, the patience and perseverance is as essential as purity. All three are essential. Believe me, if you miss out on one of these three, your health goes down the drain. Your life goes down the drain. You're wandering hither and thither, trying to go from temple to temple, from one person to another person, and you end up a mess in your life and you say, Swami, why me? I myself was, you know, Several years ago, I, um, a, you know, a friend of my sister was Chinese Christian, and she knew somebody who knew an astrologer in Bombay, and this guy would, you know, look at your shadow and make some measurements and come out with these leaves that will have writings on it, some ancient script, and it will say what your future and past and present is. So I went to that guy, and he did my measurements in his house. I asked. You know, where is this fellow? And where is this uh, uh, instruction? She wrote a letter of introduction. I went there, and, and the guy took my measurements, brought out some leaves, and uh, started reading. And I said, Can I look at the leaves? And I looked at it, it's a script I couldn't follow. But, you know, there were some things, and he said, You know, it says that you will come to see me on such and such day and such and such time, which is today. But I could have said that too. <laughs> so that wasn't enough for me. But then he said some things about the past, right? Okay? And then some things about the future. 
And these are stunning things. So then I thought, ah, this is exciting. Let me find another guy and see if there's correlation. <laughs> so then I went around in Bombay, there was a guy visiting from um, Vaidishwaran temple in, in uh, Tamil Nadu. And this guy had come in with his stack of leaves, and with you know, some seer long ago. We were talking about like two, three thousand years ago. And so, you know, he takes my thumbprint, it's not a shadow bag, it's different. So thumbprints, and then he reads out from the leaves and he says all these things. So anyway, so I went through the whole process. Then, foolish as I am, so I did all this in Bombay and then went over to the party. So I go there, Swami calls me in. And I'm sitting there, and he looks at me with a smile. And he says, you have been going to all these people asking about your life, right? With a smile. So I say, yes, Swami. Probably. No, don't do that. Your life is in my hands and I am inside you. Don't ever forget that. So sit and listen to these talks and we'll listen to other esteemed speakers. And I'm always grateful for questions, except medical questions. <laughs> yes, I am.